0: You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. Welcome to episode 20 of The Upland Rookie Podcast. I am your host, Will Larson, and as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Also presented by Yukonuba Sporting Dog. If you want to get everything your dog's got, then you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the new Yukonuba Premium Performance Lineup at EukanubaSportingDog.com. Also brought to you by Trinity Bretons, home of the Epignol Breton, also known as the French Brittany. All Trinity Breton dogs are from Champion Bloodlines that are field-tested and family-approved. For over 32 years, Trinity Bretons has worked to offer you the best-bred Epignol Bretons in the country. Check them out and learn a whole lot more at TrinityBretons.com. Also, thank you to Pointer Traditions. Pointer Traditions is making some incredible dog collars, bird straps, gear, clothing, you name it. Check them out at PointerTraditions.com and use promo code ROOKIE15. Yes, ROOKIE15 is going to save you 15% off your order at PointerTraditions.com eagerly awaiting my collars and bird straps to be in or get here in the mail so really looking forward to getting my hands on those lastly i promise this is not going to be super long with the with the the good folks that i'm talking about but uh, cable gangs we're doing a big giveaway with Cable gangs. Brennan Landry over uh, over there. Uh, we're giving away a two or a three dog uh, system uh, on, the, on the cable gang system. So your choice, two dog or three dog. Uh, the giveaway's ending on uh, well, we're gonna announce the winner on September first. September 1st seems appropriate. Uh, we're kicking off the season. Maybe you can't get out and chase birds uh, September 1st, but you can listen. You can find out uh, if your name is going to be drawn for the giveaway. So uh, we're going to announce that on uh, over at uh, the Upland Rookie Instagram page. So check out my page there. Check out Brennan's page, Cable Gangs, G-A-N-G-Z. Uh, for all the details, find out if you won. We're going to announce that on September 1st. So... Guys, speaking about September 1st, um, who dove hunts? Does anyone dove hunt anymore? Uh, Maybe it's just a, I don't know, maybe it's just a a southern thing, New Mexico, Arizona. I don't know. I don't know. Where do you dove hunt? (laughs) I know it sounds like a stupid question. Um, I know there are some dove hunters here in Colorado. Um, There are some places. I I guess I would know where to go, actually, but um, it just doesn't seem super popular. I think it'd be fun, though. I think it'd be fun as hell. I, uh, I haven't got out and dove hunted myself. I definitely want to, it's on my, kind of my list to do someday. Just, I don't know. I just didn't get around to making the plans to go dove hunting. So, um, but I know a lot of people love it. I think it'd be super cool to do. Um, I, again, I love hunting with my dog, so I might, attempt to try to bring a dog with me to dove hunt but we'll see how it goes Uh, gauge is a a decent retriever now so um i I think he could handle it um but anyways if you dove hunt let me know right in where do you go is that i don't know what do you look for that's the thing what do you look for dove hunting like do you just pick a corn edge or i don't know just let me know I'm, i'm actually genuinely curious on dove hunting what that process is like so definitely want to get out uh, and try that someday. A uh, couple things to recap my weekend, uh, and as always, would love to hear what it, you did this weekend to work on your bird dog, work on yourself. Uh, what did you do to uh, push forward and meet your goals uh, this past weekend or this past week? I don't care what the time frame is, um, but I took the dogs out. We ran on uh, we ran on some birds this weekend. Uh, Sending conditions were awful, though. I mean, like, no wind. <laughs> Real bad. Uh, but they they had a, a decent run. Um, yeah. So it wasn't ideal. Oh, so Gage, I was able to do... So we had no wind, and so I was just going to do some stop to flush with him. Um, again, taking him through the braking process the last couple months. Um, and he's had a couple where I, I thought he was good i thought he was like gonna take 12 steps f- steps forward but then he took a couple steps back uh metaphorically i guess <laughs> um so we've just had to kind of uh take our time with it and make sure we're doing the groundwork correctly um so stop the flush was one of those things um or, or i would say new locations also where he would he was real steady on some of my training grounds i'd throw a bird he was super steady doing really good when we took him back to pointed birds um he would get a little happy feet and get a little excited and take a couple you know steps forward and so this past couple weeks to be honest with you the thing that helped propel him forward the most is i took about a week and a half or two week break honestly i did a couple things in there with some birds but I, I actually kind of scaled back on the bird work and the command lead. And I think that week and a half, two week break, man, he came out guns a blazing uh, when we took him back to pointed birds and he's been great, really steady, um, not stepping, not taking steps, not lunging, not chasing, anything like that. So he's been super solid. Um, I was super excited. So this, this past weekend, uh, no wind. So Um, I put some, uh, put some pigeons in a trap and so he, uh, before he got to the, the scent cone, if there was any with, without the awful wind, um, we released that pigeon and with no, no collar pressure, no verbal, uh, he slammed on the brakes. He slammed on the brakes. Uh, when he saw that pigeon go up, um, after he was already stopped, I threw a couple from the bag and still stood there and so we did that about two or three times and man I was I was really excited really happy with that progress Um, so um, yeah I feel like we're finally taking some steps forward my plan with hunting him um, I do want to keep him steady and so I um, the first couple fields I'm going to just be really focused on his steadiness to be honest um <laughs> that could change in the moment while I'm out there but um I really do want to keep him broke I, I don't want uh, to create bad habits when we're we're back on wild birds so uh I'm just going to be really uh cautious and cognitive of uh what he's doing over my priority of shooting the bird now I think first couple times I'll work on that to make sure he's at where I want him to be and then game on so I don't know. That might be a bad strategy, but that's, that's kind of where my priorities are. Um, I got Win and Gunner to hunt early season. So um, I'll put them down and and have a blast uh, trying to shoot birds. Um, But with him, I'm going to be a little bit more uh, cautious on his steadiness. So anyways, oh, I also gave him a haircut this weekend. That was real fun. Um, (laughs) Woe training actually comes in handy with uh, trimming your dog. So it was, that made it easier, but giving it a dog a haircut is always not not fun so anyways that's what i did this weekend what did you do uh write in at the upland rookie podcast on instagram or just email me up on upland brits love to chat hunting i'm gonna be on the road here in a few days uh hunting so um, yeah, I'll have some time to get back to messages and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, hit me up. Let me know what you're doing. Would love to. Uh, would love to hear. Um, hey, speaking of uh, trips coming up, I just want to talk a little bit about packing for a trip before we get into the interview today. Um, a couple of things as I was going through the packing process again um, for my trip coming up here to Nebraska. Um, one of the things thought's pretty important is, um, pack early, like pack a couple days in advance. Um, I know this, that might sound silly. And you know, the wife, she gives me looks all the time. She's like, what are you doing in the garage again? Um, honestly, it gives me some couple days. So if I, I start kind of pre packing like a few days ago and I'm already a few days out from the trip. So probably a week before my trip. Well, as I'm packing it, it, I don't know. I have the time and the space to process like what I'm missing. And so then, you know, I, I packed a bunch yesterday and then I'm laying in bed last night and I, I kind of was processing. And I thought, oh, I'm missing AAA batteries. <laughs> okay. It, it gives your time. Or it gives your brain some time to process what you might be missing versus just packing the night before, you know, being crazy and, in you know, try and remember, oh, do I have this? Do I have this? Um, so uh, that's just for me, kind of a, a, a hack is just pack early, pack slowly over a few days. Um, I've found it to help uh, quite a bit just with not forgetting things. <laughs> sure, it's happened. But um, for me, it's just it's worked pretty well. Um, couple other things with uh, with packing is uh, two pairs of boots and two pairs of pants. Uh, you may have heard me talk before about my my tr- uh, first hunt last year of the season. Uh, got my pants soaked the first day, got my boots and socks soaked, and I didn't have a second pair of either, and it sucked. So take it from me. Uh, make sure to pack two of those. Um, it's it's going to help you if something gets wet or god forbid torn or something happens uh have a backup pair because that was (laughs) that was pretty miserable uh walking around in the sand hills with wet boots and it was yeah and i shrunk my boots as well because i cooked them over the fire yeah sorry anyways um a couple other things more water than you think guys more water than you think Uh, especially these early season hunts um It might seem excessive, but you don't want to run out of water for yourself. And and I think more importantly, your dog, uh, they need water even to cool down. So I'll be using water, you know, if they're getting hot, I'm going to be, you know, putting water under their underarms, their belly, um, getting them in those spots where it's harder for them to dump heat. Uh, to cool them down. So um, pack just just more water. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt them if you don't use it all. Just have it just in case. Uh, all kind of similar. Pack more shells than you think you need. Um, I've been on a couple hunts where uh, I forgot, however many shells I had wasn't enough, and or it was getting very close to not being enough, and I was just it was in my head. I was worried. I was like oh, I you know, and maybe that's good or bad. Maybe it makes you be more selective on your shots. I don't know. Um, but just in case, especially with, with shells right now, um, just pack maybe more than you think you need. Um, again, it can't hurt. Worst case scenario, you come home, put them back in the safe, not a big deal. So, um, those are some of the things that were kind of running through my head as I'm packing for my first trip of the season. But um, would love to hear what's uh, on your schedule first for September. Uh, maybe it's dove. Maybe it's uh, chasing sharptail, prairie chickens, whatever it might be. Uh, let me know right in. Uh, would love Again, like I said before, would love to chat, hear what you're doing this year. Um, we are going to dive into... Today's episode, I'm really, really excited for this one. Uh, Brandon Moss, uh, we had a great conversation just catch up uh, a little bit with what's going on with him personally, uh, hunting Montana. We talk about can, uh, weather conditions up there, the drought, um, talk about Britney's. Uh, Brandon is running some fine, fine Britney's up in Mon- uh, Montana area. And so, uh, yeah, we had a great conversation. Uh, Brandon and I have, have, Stayed in contact for a little over a year now, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, probably more than that. Um, he was, he was a. Just want to say personally, Brandon, when I was going through all my uh, health stuff last uh, last fall with my back, um, also with my daughter a few months ago in the hospital. Um, he was constantly reaching out, just, um, seeing how we're doing, seeing how my daughter was doing and, uh, just a really, uh, really good guy. Just really encouraging. Um, kept my hopes up, kept my spirits high, uh, when I was flat on my back, uh, but, but a year ago, uh, with some, some issues. So, uh, thank you, Brandon. Really appreciate that support. And I have not forgotten that. And, uh, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do as well. Are, are you in the trials at all? Have you done trials with your dogs? Nah, no, no?
1: basically I just go out and work. I just hunt with my dogs. That's uh-huh. it. And so is, and- is that
0: what you would call meat dogs? Is that the appropriate term?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess you oh. could say meat dogs. They're just, I mean, they're just my dogs. That's all they are. And so uh, I take them out. Like, you know, one of my favorite times is, is August when I can go out and just, there's nobody around and go mm-hmm. work dogs and birds and stuff like that. And so, I don't worry about field trial. And I don't want the competition. I just want to go out and enjoy my dogs.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good approach, man. I, uh, so I started out just, just want hunting dogs. That's all I want. And I still do as my primary goal. It's always going to be my primary goal, but I have been dabbling in the in hunt test. No, I, I want to try a field trial. So I've been going through the breaking process with gauge and there I've had my days where I like, I'm scratching my head going, why the hell am I doing this? <laughs> cause, I'm like, yeah. cause it's, cause it can be frustrating, you know, training dogs, working dogs can be, can have its headaches. Um, so there's days I'm like, I'm just going to keep, keep my dogs as hunting dogs, but yeah,
1: there's, there's one of my Brittany's right there. No, <laughs> I
0: was going to say, it's a, it's a strange looking Brittany on camera. Yeah. Right?
1: No, that's my wife's dog. So she's a little mini pin, but yeah, no, I worked for So, um, after high school, a little bit, I worked for a field trailer um, out of Texas, and then we came up to North Dakota. And um, uh, his name is Gary Penalto. He's an English pointer. Off we did it off horseback as horseback field trailers. And um, he he was one of the more well-known uh, field trailers trainers around. He won nationals. He won so that year. He actually won nationals with one of our dogs down at Ames Plantation. You know the big one on okay. horseback, and he's won he won everything. So I worked for him. I did a lot of field trial dogs. I was around field trials a lot. And it just, you know, I don't mind competition. I like competition. I don't want to come competition with my dogs.
0: Sure. So you just enjoy, you enjoy the fun aspect of it. Getting out there with your dogs. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you said you worked for them. Did you, were you training dogs or what were you doing? Yeah. I trained dogs with them. So I was in,
1: so I graduated high school in 98 and that was in 2003 ish that we won that. So yeah, it's 2003 he won. Um, So it was like, I think it was twenty two, twenty or oh two, oh three that I worked for him. Oh, right on. And um, uh, we're down in Texas, we'd be down there. Summertime would come up just ten miles off the Canadian border in Columbus, North Dakota. And uh we had basically we had about fifty dogs that we worked. Wow. There's three of us. And so we just get up in the morning, go field trial dogs and or go run dogs uh horseback. Yeah. Evening time would work uh the gun dogs. Okay. And that's all we did. It was so- fun. So I'm
0: I'm guessing you picked up probably quite a bit of knowledge and experience. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that
1: guy, like that guy knew his dogs. He'd won everything and he had, you know, he had been around dogs for years. He had won everything. He is knows how to train. I picked up a ton for him. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I did some training. I came back here. I did a a kennel business on my own after that. And I was doing pretty good. I got to the point where I was going to buy the land and um, build my own kennel and do it full time. And then I worked with uh, emotionally disturbed youth and I worked with the 16 to 19 year old boys. And those guys were like, seriously, like they're, I worked with the murderers, the pedophiles, rapists, gang members, Mm. all that stuff. And so when they would go, they would go off and you'd have to restrain them. And Mm. anyways, we had to restrain this kid. The staff messed up on what he was doing and just took out my lower back. Like all kinds of, yeah, that's a, you know, that started there. It's never, it's still like, it's never gotten any better. It's Mm. gotten worse over time. And so that's why I don't, I don't remember if I told you or not, but, um, uh, so over time, like my back got worse, my weight went up, my back got worse, my weight went up. Mm-hmm. So I had a gastric bypass in March. Did I tell you about that? Oh yeah. We
0: talked little- yeah. When my daughter was going through a bunch of hospital stuff, I yeah. think we started uh-huh. talking about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I had that gastric bypass down in Vegas, came home two days later and I was just so like, I was just ton of pain. Everything I was like, told my wife, something's not right. Take me to the hospital. They're like, yeah, there's a blockage. We got to go back in and do surgery. Oh, geez. So when they go in to go do surgery, they went through my old incisions. Um, They couldn't see my bowel was inflamed like 10 times its normal size. So it burst right there. So they all the way up. Yeah. Take everything out. Clean it out. Reroute my bowel. My intestines, when they that blockage was was so bad that they couldn't even fix it. They just had to cut out my intestines. No way. Yeah. So then I went septic. And then my kidney started shutting down. They're throwing IVs on me like crazy. My heart couldn't handle that. So my heart went off <laughs> and then, like over a five day period, all this is going on. Then the infection set in and they had to open me back up and get all the infection out and everything. Jeez. So I was in the hospital for just shy of a month.
0: Oh, dude. I didn't know you went through all that. Yeah. We, we touched on it a little bit, but I didn't know it was yeah. that intense.
1: Yeah. no, yeah. The I mean, the, they say that I, I should have lived. The, that's, there's no way I could have, yeah. But that's intense, jeez. I did, and I'm working yeah. dogs, and I'm doing, <laughs> right there, yeah.
0: Good for you, man.
1: Yeah, a lot, that's, a lot of prayers went my way.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that was just in this past March.
1: Yep. March, okay. Yep. And so Dude. since then, with the gastric bypass, since then to now, I'm just over 100 pounds lost. Wow.
0: Good yeah, for you. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's really good. Yeah. That's, so, awesome. You know, that's awesome. That's awesome people ask like, do you feel different? I'm like, I don't know because my body's still healing. Like I still got the wound. I've still got bandages yeah. on it and stuff like that. Wow.
0: So, Yeah. That's really not that long ago when you think about it. And if you're, if you're out working dogs, man, and getting ready for hunting season, good for you.
1: Like, yeah, I just can't stop. Like I can't stop. Yeah. Working dogs. Our, <laughs> yeah. August is my favorite month. You oh, know, sure. Everyone's like, I can't wait till September till bird season starts. I don't care if I shoot a bird. I just yeah. want to go out work for my dogs and have that, fun.
0: See, that's the, uh, I'm going to circle back to something I'm going to say in a second, but Cause I think you and I, when my back went out last, this past fall, we talked a little bit, I yeah. think and you were kind of reaching out and my, my back was back issues are are no fun. And I remember laying flat on the couch. I was in the hospital for a couple of days, finally got home. And I was just pissed off because I couldn't go work my dogs. I couldn't get out. Couldn't play with my kids. Couldn't hold them. All this stuff. It just, it takes you out. And it's just, it, it's a frustrating feeling. It's also a humbling feeling to yep. sort of help you realize like, I'm just so blessed. I can get up during the day, you know, get up, get up every day, play with my kids, work, my dogs, go to work. It's you take the little things for granted.
1: You do. You do. Yeah. Like with my back, like in every second of every day, I'm in pain and there was like, I, so you get angry, you get depressed, you get everything. And it's been going on since 2008. And there was a period of time when it first started, I was really bad. And I was like, I was like, you like in the hospital a lot and stuff like that. And I talked about this on that show I did with Onyx. A little bit my wife would just she'd be you know she was pregnant with our second child she'd come the second or third child i can't remember which one but she'd get my truck put the kennels in it eight months pregnant load the dogs up Hmm. get me in the truck drive me out to where we'd go walk dogs and just just walk them and take them out there and do things with them and come back and i was like i remember i just like looking at the truck and the truck was probably like 200 yards away and i'm like i don't think i'll make it i'm just gonna die right here and stuff like that, and so she'd be back there, I'd get to the truck, and she'd be back there, you know, put my dogs away, and everything like that. She really really kept pushing me, and so like I just kept pushing myself, but the problem was I got up to three hundred and eighty four pounds, and then my back was just trash sure. so um so like you just like majorly get depressed, and oh yeah, there's like a huge huge connection between chronic pain weight gain and and depression, mm. and so those three just don't play well know.
0: yeah they don't play well together
1: yep so working dogs you know just that drive to go out and be in the field and i do a lot of big game hunting too and um but mostly bird hunting that's what i love to do like i said august is my favorite thing because it's just you're going out working dogs but like my ultimate dream someday is to do a, a sheep hunt wild mm. sheep in alaska and canada and stuff
0: oh, like nice that.
1: so you know that'd be sick I, yeah. I love it. Love to do that. It's sheep hunts a lot. Like sheep hunters are a lot like bird hunters. Hmm. They're not out there for that. You know, they, they are there for a trophy. They want a trophy, but there's more the spirit and the experience hmm. of what you see, you know, the spirit of you just to be out there and seeing something new and be in new places and challenging yourself. Yeah. And that's the same way I am with, with birds.
0: Yeah. I actually wanted to circle back to that. You, you talked about August being your favorite month. And again, cause you, you're not carrying a gun at that point. You're just getting to work your dogs. talk about getting to that point because i think every new upland hunter we start when i started all that was on my mind was shooting birds that's all that that was it it, sure the dogs i love that part but i I was so focused on shooting the birds the birds the birds but even as i go along now the the point of just watching good dog work watching them do their thing being out in the uplands that's what is now even more satisfying for me. Like talk about to someone out there who's just getting started. Like, how do you kind of get to that point of, of being okay without shooting a bird?
1: So, yeah, I mean, I think my younger years, I was like, you know, I just wanted to get birds and stuff like that. And that was part of the fun for me over time. It's just evolved for me that I, I just, I just want to be out there and, and enjoy things. And, you know, shooting a bird is ultimately what we're out there to do. We're out there to hunt birds and we're out there to find some food, to put it on the plate and, and everything. But I've gotten to the point where it's just, you lose all that. Um, you lose all that just having to kill something drive and just uh, be out there and enjoy the dogs, the experience, the, the, um, the land and everything else, and just seeing what you're seeing out there. And so, I I actually sometimes feel guilty because, um, you know, like last year was a great bird year, and I I wouldn't shoot very many birds, and the dogs would just be pointing, 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 and I'd never shoot. And um, you know, occasionally I'd shoot some, and then, um, I I'd take my buddy out, and he would shoot some, but it just to me, it's just like it's a, a stress reliever for me to be out there. It's just a a place that I have to be all the time and killing birds isn't, isn't part of it for me anymore. I still, I still shoot birds. I still, there's times I still enjoy it. I, I get a good point. I get, you know, like I had four dogs out today and during the season, if I go out there, I get a point for and three backs quite, quite often I'll get that, but you just go out there and it's just a beautiful dog work and you shoot the birds and the birds bring it back or the dogs bring it back to you or the, you know, just whatever, then it just all comes together and it's just a beautiful moment for me, but the it's just as beautiful for me just to see the dogs pointing to the dogs working. I was watching my young dog today. Um, the, the, well, I call them young. They're three years old because I got a a couple older dogs. So I was watching those dogs work today, just constantly pushing themselves and everything else. And, um, and so is, it was just the, the experience for me. There's no pressure about finding birds or anything like that.
0: That's awesome, man. That's so well said. That's so well said. I love that. Let's, uh, let's actually kind of circle back to your dogs a little bit. Talk about, I know we talked about training a little bit. Um, I actually want to jump into training first. Cause we, we touched on you. You worked for that, uh, field trailer. What so are you training all your own dogs now? Or are you using a, a pro trainer? Like yep. what's, what's that process like for you?
1: No, I always, I still, I'm still able to train my dogs and I've always done it. And so, um, I've you know, I've, I've never used another trainer and not that it's a bad thing. It's just, I like to work my dogs my way and I can do it and I enjoy it. It's, it's fun for me. Um, I occasionally will take on another dog to train for somebody else. Um, but I got some old dogs. And I got my younger dogs. So I got, basically I got a, uh, my old male tough and he's 14 years old. And then I got a female, and she's about, I think she's going on seven. And then I got, um, I personally have one pup out of him. Well, I, it's my daughter's, my 11, 11 year old daughter's dog. Oh, nice, Yeah. And she loves him. His name's Gary, but um, then I got another so, so dog.
0: You, so sorry, real quick. You kept a pup out of the, your seven-year-old female?
1: Yeah. My seven-year-old. Okay. So I bred those two and I kept a pup out of it. And then I, my buddy um, has one of the other litter mates to him. And but basically, he stays at my place all the time during the hunt, summer and hunting season stuff like that. So uh, he's he's basically my my dog. And then after the hunting season, he goes to to my buddy's place. So um so those are the dogs that I have. the 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 fourteen year old he's somehow he's still going i had about today we did from the time we left the truck to we got back was about two and a half hours he worked birds the whole time nice um was out there looking isn't walking by me and so he goes he's deaf and thank goodness for uh, gps <laughs> yeah because otherwise i wouldn't be able to hunt him
0: so he's still <laughs> that, he that's does pretty, pretty good imp- that's pretty impressive 14 year old uh out there still still working that's 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 pretty good
1: yeah so um his mom, I had his mom till she was 17 and I was still working her. No way. Yeah. And uh, I put her down that October because I, I knew that winter was just going to be too hard on her. Mm. So um, they kind of, you know, for some reason, those guys live a long time and keep, keep going at it. They got a strong drive and yeah, I don't know. He's, he's my old man. He's my buddy. And,
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And how, how's the, you know, quote on younger ones doing the three-year-old, the puppies. Good. That's, yeah. So my, my,
1: the the my daughter's dog, Gary, he's a really nice dog. I really like him. Um, he's doing real well. He had some real good points today. He's coming along last year. His first year he wasn't doing so well. I wasn't too sure about him. Um, I think it's because I personally um broke his confidence a little bit hunting him. I, I put all four dogs down together when I'm okay. out. And so I didn't I didn't take enough time working him by himself. And so I think he broke his confidence a little bit. And then last year he, it was in August again, I was working, I was working dogs and he goes on point and some pheasants got up and then he goes a little bit further and he goes on point and um, he's about 180 yards out, got there, held it in about uh, 15, 20 sagegrass got up. And after that, he was just like, okay, I'm into birds. Oh wow! Well. Like I want this, I can do it. I can compete with these guys. And so he just went at it and he goes at it. Nice. So his litter mate, that's my buddy's dog. He's probably the best dog that's ever came out of my candles. He's a really? really nice dog. Yeah. So those, those cross, that cross was a real good cross, but uh, they're too old for, uh, or the male's too old. I could technically still breed the female, but I don't know if I will. Okay. Anymore.
0: She's getting about that age. Sure. Um, what's the, what's the strategy with doing uh, four dogs down on the ground at a time? Um, gosh, you know,
1: I got so much time to, that I can work dogs and I want to get the most groundwork for each dog I can. So I put four down at a time. And, um, in this country up here in Mon, like in Montana and these Western Western States, you have huge, big country. Hmm. And so, i i can hunt it with one dog and I can do just fine. I can hunt it with two dogs and do just fine. I can hunt it with four dogs and cover a lot more ground yeah ultimately a lot, a lot more <laughs> yeah, ultimately, it comes down to I get more ground time for each dog when I put all four of them down okay so and I'll hunt I'll hunt all four of them for uh days on end sometimes like we'll do it all day long for four or five days in a row. <laughs>
0: That's dude. That's like, uh, that's like Ben o. Williams style right there. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah he puts as a, many down as he can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, he's, we went out on younger years, he'd have nine or 10 down at a time. Holy cow. Between our dogs and his dogs and
0: stuff like that. <laughs> so, he, he, I was listening to him. I think I re-listened to an episode of his, I think it was maybe on Nick Larson's podcast or someone. And, uh, does he still not use e-collars? So I, th- I'm not sure. I haven't talked to him in years.
1: He and my dad were good friends years back, but, uh, um,
0: so I remember him saying that on the episode or something, he, I know he didn't use GPS for sure. I couldn't remember if he used, uh, e-collars or not still. And he's like, yeah, I just, I just train my dogs to come when I call them. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. he's
1: pretty old school and that's the way I used to be, but I've gotten to the point where I really like a, I like to have that GPS collar on him at all times. Yeah. So I lost, I lost a dog. In fact, it was this, that 17 year old. I lost her overnight one time Ooh. and yeah. So it wasn't too, too many days after that. I had
0: that Garmin alpha yep. headed it gives, my way. Gives gives you that reassurance because yep. you put so much time into the dogs, their family members, you know, This you put a lot into them. And so yep. I want to yep. just have tabs on them <laughs> at all times. She was
1: one of my best friends and tell you what, you know, there's not much that can make a, a grown man cry other than bird dogs and, and, uh, your own kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. So, um, so we, we talked all about your dogs and just for the listeners, what kind of dogs are they? <laughs> I know Brittany's. what kind they are. Okay. Brittany's Brittany's. Yep. All right, all right. Brittany. So why, why Brittany's for you? What, what got you into them? You know, I grew up with them
1: i've had all dogs i've had all breeds of you know well, not at all dogs but like the pointers the setters the short hairs and some other stuff here and there um but i i grew up with the britneys i've always had them i can still find good lines of britneys and so i just i just stick with it you know i've toyed with that idea maybe i'll get a pointer and throw it in there but ultimately it goes back to uh one pointer takes the place of one britney
0: <laughs> that's true you, you just yeah. can't give up that Britney spot. <laughs> Yep. I get it. I get it. Um, all right. And then, so, uh, yeah, I think it's all on the dogs I want to touch on. Um, we already talked about trials. You're not really in the trials and stuff. Oh, I know I was going to ask you, sorry. Um, what level of steadiness are you working your dogs on for for your hunting style and what you do? So the,
1: I let my dogs go at the flush. Um, many times, you know, I've trained a lot of dogs, uh, steady wing and shot and it's, there's there's advantages to it and there's disadvantages to it as well. But my thing is when you go up and a bird comes down wounded um, a lot of times the, you lose the bird out here. This is some Mm -hmm. big country and they just run, 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 run. And you'll, you'll lose those birds. So I want my dogs on top of it as quick Mm -hmm. as possible, even though they're not the best retrieving dogs, Mm -hmm. they will always go to a down bird and if it's running, they'll stop it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what Gage has done in the past is he hasn't been a great retriever, but he at least will either pin it somehow, open the bird or stand over top of it or something to stop it from, you know, moving. So at least it it gives some, gives you a better chance of of recovering that bird.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. That's so. I let mine go at the flush. Yeah. And, uh, it's just the way I've done it. And I've done it and I probably always will.
0: That's awesome, man. Uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, so you're up in Montana. Um, how, how's Montana looking? I know we talked a little bit earlier, just definitely dry, definitely, uh, hot. What, what's it kind of look like up by you? Yeah, it's, it's pretty,
1: uh, pretty grim this year. It's looking pretty bleak. So unfortunately it's sad to say, because last year was such a great year and I had some high hopes that this year would even be a better year, Yeah, but we had, um, so last year was statewide the sharptails were were everywhere There was good huns good pheasants and decent amount of uh, sage grass and so uh then we have our mountain grass too but um for the prairie birds we have those four sure. so our winter was very very mild so we had no winter kill we we're looking at you know birds from uh carry over when i was out and about that were there were so many birds carried over from last year and so i was like oh man are you you know, half these birds put off a, put off a clutch, then we're going to have just an incredible bird year. Well, the drought came in, uh, the hot weather came in, we had hail that killed a bunch of birds. And so going out there, I'm, it's, I'm not finding a lot of birds. Hmm. You're going to, there's still birds around. You're going to find pockets of birds, but it's going to be pretty hard hunting this year for the most part.
0: Yeah. A lot, a lot of the miles <laughs> you're going to be walking, right? Yep. Okay. Okay. Do you, do you primarily just, just stay in your home state or are you traveling outside at all? Or, or do you have any plans to travel outside this year?
1: Um, I want to do Texas with some friends of mine. They got some places down there. They go hunt, uh, I'd like to try. I don't know if I'll get there this year or not, but late season chucker hunting in Idaho okay. uh, or Nevada or somewhere like that. But I don't know if I'll get that one done. So I'm hoping to get Texas. If not, I just, you know, I, I can get out, three, four days a week in, in Montana here. And so I just kind of just go for that. You know, I spend as much time in Montana as I can. I do like to travel to other States. Um, I, I've done Nebraska and Texas and stuff like that and Wyoming and things, but um, mainly I stayed in Montana because I can hunt so much here.
0: Sure. We have so many good options. You have so much, so much public land, all that good stuff. Right. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you and I've talked quite a bit, you've been a, a great resource for myself, actually just understanding, uh, a little bit more of like Montana regulations, uh, land access a little bit. Can you, you talk a little bit about, um, the different land access options and, and specifically the, uh, things the like BMA land type one versus type two, and then some of the other, other programs that they might have. Yeah. So,
1: um, For public access, like, number one, if you're coming out here, Western States, Montana, number one thing you need is Onyx. You just – you have to have it. It's a necessity. It's like bringing a shotgun is my my thing. You open up so much land to you, and, and, you know, a lot of times you won't be able to get on private land. Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. The good thing that we have about private land, as we talked about, is the BMA, the block management, and we have – like you said type one type two type one is they have a box there you go up you fill out a card you rip half the card off it goes in the box the other half goes on your dashboard and then you you return it at the end of the end of the day and talk about what she did type two you have to go to uh the landowner himself or themselves and um and get a written permission slip from them Hmm. And so it covers a certain amount of dates and from like the, you know, it'd either be depending on how how the landowner does it. It can be for, sometimes they do it just that day. Sometimes you say, Hey, I'm going to be here for a week. So they'll do it for, uh, for a whole week from, you know, like the first to the, to the seventh or whatever. Sure. And, uh, you have your permissions up there with you. If you do type one where you have to fill it out yourself, you have to re-register
0: every day. Okay. Every so, piece of land you're on. Right yep everyone so
1: yeah so you got to be real careful check it out um and that's this is where onyx will help you because onyx has the layer on there that tells you if it's block management or not so a lot of these times you'll see this this big area is block management and you'll see block management signs but it might be two or three different um block management areas and so you'll need to sign in at each one of those areas oh wow yeah
0: is that all dependent on who owns that land so three different owners yeah. the land could just kind of intersect a little bit weird
1: yep mm-hmm. so okay. there's a lot of times i'll go in and i'll have to sign in at two different boxes or three different boxes and i'll park my truck at one and i'll be i'll hit two or three different uh, block management areas and that you know that that walk that i do
0: gotcha and then type two just going back to type two for a second because i think that's probably the type one seems pretty straightforward Type two is it that because it's basically like a reservation system, isn't it? Right where you are you have to contact ahead of time, not always,
1: most of the time, that's the best thing to do to assure your spot and, and save time and everything else. Um, so, but some, if I remember right, some of them don't have uh, have phone numbers on theirs, they don't want to be contacted, so you just have to go there and get permission. Some of them have it set up where they let in x number of people a day they'll let in you know five parties a day or whatever some of them have it's just you come get your permission slip and whoever comes and gets it you can hunt the land so um so the reservation thing is a good way to go if you can get it but some of the some of the landowners just don't want to deal with that and you just have to show up they want to know who's on their land talk to people and you just show up at their door knock on it and they've knock on their door and they fill out a permission slip there
0: Okay. And are, are, as the hunter, are you bringing your own permission slip with you? Nope.
1: They have a booklet there. Oh, okay. And, and the boxes, they have a booklet too. And I think I told you like kind of a little trick that we learned and is, um, you make up, a before you come make up the, um, a little stickers that you can print off yourself that has your name. Uh, so on those slips, you have to put your name, your address, your truck, what kind of vehicle you're driving, the license plate and your ALS number. And so um the easy thing to do is to have stickers made up beforehand. So you just whip those off and stick it on there. Especially if you're signing into two or three a day. It saves a lot of time and and it's pretty darn easy.
0: That's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I mean you told me that a couple weeks ago. I was like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about.
1: Yeah, it just saves time. So sometimes what I'll do used to is uh I'll use um uh you know Pheasants Forever sends out those stickers. Yeah. uh, so labels use, or yeah, the yeah. address yeah. labels. So I'll use those too.
0: There you go. <laughs> get, get creative, do something with those.
1: Yep. So make I, think, good I use. think
0: some of our Christmas cards last year went out with, uh, pheasants forever <laughs> labels. <Yep. on> them. <laughs> they gotta be good for something, right? Oh, hundred percent. Uh, but with, with the hunting you're doing just kind of a, a random percentage, what land are you mostly hunting? Uh, BLM land, uh, BMA or private?
1: So this time of year when I'm working dogs is probably 95%, 98% public land block manager or not block manager, uh, BLM and state land. There's a couple, you know, I got, i got a rancher friend that we've known for years and I'll cross his property and stuff like that. But I try and just mainly stick to um, the, the public land, the state and BLM. It's easier. You don't have to worry about things and stuff like that during the season. I will go to block management areas because technically you're not supposed to be working dogs in the off season um, on those I'm, block management. Okay. So you can call and you can call or you can stop by and get permission if they're fine with that. Then that's fine. But usually they open September first. Some of them open August fifteenth because our archery antelope opens in. Uh, okay. So some of them will open then. And some of them will open September first. So I, uh, I, uh, so I just stick to mostly public land and then come, come later in the season. Uh, I'll go on some private land, you know, maybe like 10% of the time. Okay. So, and a lot of it's just across, cross into some, some public.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, th- this question's rattled around in my head a couple different times. I've, with tails. So last year was my, my true first year chasing sharptails. I had a blast in Nebraska so it got me hooked on grouse, but I've heard the early season, you know, they're young, they're dumb. they they hold good later in the season. So like October, November, do they, do they get really jumpy where they're harder to hunt or is that just a, a myth?
1: Yeah, they do. Um, but they're, they're not so, the the myth is that they're impossible to hunt and december sometimes is one of my better sharp tails months okay what is it? it's cold and stuff like that and you can still you still get on this it's a pretty neat deal you'll get these dogs on point and you'll get the so the birds will flock up then and you'll get 60 70 birds up at one time okay but then you just keep working, and they'll be the dogs will go on point, and there'll be in a leftover bird here and there. But just stick with them. You watch where they go, and it might be a mile or two um, that they before they land. And so you just watch where they go, and then you just head that direction, keep on them, and you'll get them. You'll you'll continue getting birds and stuff like that. But um, early season tech typically they they hold well for dogs. They do great. They're a good bird to work on um august september to for your dogs to get used to october they're still they're still you know they don't hold quite as well but they still hold within in gun range and stuff like that come november when the cold starts getting there you'll start seeing them uh moving a lot more and and you'll see them like you'll actually be driving and you'll you'll look up and you'll it looks like a whole a whole uh group of pigeons up there oh wow. Yeah. And so there'll be, you know, five, 15, 20, sharptail flying around. Okay. And so I think they do it just to, just to stay warm. Keep oh, sure.
0: Yeah. Stay, stay together, more eyes, more protection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so, how, how about huns? Are, are you, are you, again, I'm asking this from a perspective of my perspective, going up there this year, chasing them, kind of going them blind. Are you finding sharptails and huns in the pretty much same, same areas? Or are you targeting separate areas for those birds? both
1: so some areas are like you know this is a real good hunt area but most areas you'll find sharptails and huns in the same area like a lot of places um there's been times before and especially early season where a dog will go on point and i'll get four species of birds up in one point oh jeez. yeah i know it's pretty it's pretty neat to to see you and uh usually for something there's something there the feed's really great and draws them all in sure something like that um so uh but you know th- there's a lot of places most places you can count on that you'll find sharp tails and and hunts together but sometimes you just just find sharp tail in those areas because that's a native bird it's their native land and the, the hunts haven't adapted to it that area as
0: well gotcha okay okay and then sage grouse is it just close your eyes, pick a sea of sagebrush, and, and start walking?
1: No, no. Um, it kind of seems that way because you'll look there and you'll look out and you'll be like, Holy cow, look at this. <laughs>
0: Where do I start?
1: <laughs> yep. And so like, uh, let's see, for instance, I'll take a, I'll take a time last year that I was, I was working dogs and it was in, August again, and I looked for. Um, I looked at this area. There was some grass, and then there was some sage, and um, in between, there was a lot of grasshoppers in between them, and so between the two. And so I I started working that area. By f- the birds in the early morning would be in the grass. By about nine nine thirty, I'd find them in the sage, and would find a good. 50 60 70 sage grass out in that sage so it wasn't it was a particular grass that they were they're in that was holding good feed for them it <laughs> had one number one it had good hoppers in it number two it had good voluntary alfalfa in it oh, okay and so um so i'll i'll look for sage this time of year typically that is next to some kind of some kind of uh crp agricultural area where you'll find that voluntary. That voluntary alfalfa, and um, and that uh, the grasshoppers if they're there, but this year's a little bit different year because a lot of these areas that I've worked, the cover's just, just trashed from the drought and everything else. I mean, it's like the Dust Bowl days. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, in some of these areas. So, I talked about the areas that I would have that um, I got into a lot of birds last year, and there was none. Those are a little bit. On a typical year, that's what I look for for um, sagegrass cover. I'll look for sagebrush that has a lot of grass within it. And so, you you kind of you, what you'll find yourself is weaving in and out of the sagebrush instead mm. of like just having to push through it. Okay. The th- that thick stuff, that thick stuff t- typically doesn't hold them as well and, and stuff. They want places that they can go out and chase grasshoppers and have some freedom to move. Okay. And stuff like that. So, a little bit more open sage some of that taller grass. But this year, after working, working that time where I didn't find any birds and I would have found a good birds last year, I started thinking in the area, like, where's a little bit, not super thick sage, but a little bit thicker sage okay. that has, holds a little bit more cover. So I go to those areas and I found, I found a few sage grouse. Nice.
0: Areas. Nice. That's, that's really good, man. I, I haven't heard that, that aspect of you talk about like the grass and the hoppers and that kind of mix. I haven't heard that actually spoke about before. So that's, that's good to know.
1: Yeah. So what, you know, when you, when you hear like, if you are reading about sage grass and stuff and the, they're, they're reliant on sagebrush. They have to have sagebrush during the winter months and early spring. Uh, Cause, Cause that's what
0: they're eating, right? They're eating the sagebrush.
1: hundred percent of their diet yeah. is the sagebrush, but this time of year, they they don't hardly eat sagebrush. I don't think you'd find sagebrush in them. You'd find the leafy greens. Okay. And some um, so that's why I look for the vol- voluntary alfalfa. I'll look for there's these just I don't even know what they are, but they're like a little green plant that lays flat on the ground. They'll eat those. Sometimes they like dandelions. If you can find a good dandelion field, they'll, those have a lot of food to them. But then if the grasshoppers are are real thick, they'll um they'll get in those, but the way it, what i kind of find is so like a few years ago we had chickens and i watched those chickens chase grasshoppers and i let part of my lawn um so we are we're on an acre and i thought you know i'll let part of my lawn grow and not mow it this back corner back two corners so the chickens can get in there and get food sure. get the sage grass or get the grasshoppers and what I'd see is they'd go in there and they'd try and get the grasshoppers. And then pretty soon they'd come out back to the open area. Huh. And so they really had a hard time in that thick grass out that wasn't mowed getting the grasshoppers because they couldn't run and chase them down.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And so I started like, you know, started thinking about comparing it to what I've seen with, with sage grouse. And I think they want a little bit more open, open sagebrush areas when there's grasshoppers around to chase.
0: Right on. Interesting. Nice experiment you did there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted,
1: I just like chicken eggs. That's all I want.
0: Yeah. Oh, we're the same. we, uh, we live in the burbs, but we we're allowed to have, uh, well, I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast. We are technically over the legal limit, but <laughs> we, we got big families. We got, we, we need eggs.
1: Yeah. A couple of years ago, the hail came and killed all of ours. Our chicken. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh geez. So we just never replaced them.
0: Okay. No, their chicken eggs are, are awesome. We're getting, we're getting a plenty right now. We're getting some to our neighbors finally. And yeah. Nothing oh, like which is which is nice. Yeah. No, they're, yeah. They're awesome. Um, all right. A couple more things as we, uh, we, we wrap this up a little bit. Um, at, talk about at least from your Instagram, seems like your daughter's pretty involved in the uplands and tr- in dogs and hunting. Is that true? Oh yes. So
1: I always say that I, so I got three daughters once she's 16. Now, then the other one's 13 and then the, my youngest is 11 and I always say I'm not missing anything by not having a boy. My daughters are into sports. My daughters are girly girlies. They do their hair. They dress up cute. They do all that stuff. They're into sports. They're um, they go hunting with me as much as they can. They love it. They talk about it. They, you sit there. Um, you know, I talked earlier a little bit earlier about how I want to do uh, hunt wild sheep someday. And there's four, four species of sheep in uh, North America so that you can show them a picture and they can tell you what each one of these (laughs) species is. And they can just go through and tell you like what kind of birds are out there and stuff like that. Bird gets up, they'll tell you what it is. They love it. And so, um, they're, they're all into it. And my youngest always thinks she's picked on because she has to, you know, wait, wait, and everybody else is doing The other two are doing their stuff and she doesn't get to go out and do what they're doing. So she's hunted deer with me. She hasn't hunted birds yet. I always wait till they're in Montana. They can do what's called an apprenticeship program and 10, t- 10 years old. They can hunt deer. Let's see deer, Turkey and Upland birds. And I'm not sure about waterfowl, I, but anyways, they can do Upland birds, but I don't let them hunt birds until they're 12. There's just a lot. I feel like there's a lot of maturity between that 10 and 12 years age. Sure. And I don't want anything to happen. You know, with a deer, I can set them up, yeah. put them on some New stationary. Sticks. Yeah. mm mm-hmm. I can be right there in control of it all with birds. There's just too much happening, yeah. but yeah, they, they go with me. They look forward to see if what they draw for big game there. <laughs> That's awesome. They got their own guns and, and everything else. And I talked about my, my youngest daughter, she's got her own bird dog.
0: So is, is that who owns Gary? Your That's, youngest daughter? Yep. yep, okay. yep. My That's youngest awesome. daughter Adeline owns Gary,
1: but That's awesome. my oldest Tegan and and Taylor like they love to go hunting just as much,
0: yeah, so I mean, talk about that that process of of getting them into it that much was it just starting at a really young age, introducing them to things, or how'd that go? yeah,
1: so uh, my oldest didn't want to hunt with me, and um I used to <laughs> i talk about it, I used to have to trick her to go with me. <laughs> Like I get everything set out in the truck and everything and be like, Hey, come on, let's go do something. Just you and I. And she's like, okay. And we'll go somewhere. She's like, what are we doing? I'm like, Oh, I'll tell you when we get there. So (laughs) we'll be driving. She's like, she'll be looking around. She's like, we're going hunting, aren't we? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, we're going hunting. Hopefully she'll like it. So she never, she never really wanted to hunt with me. And so my middle one wanted to go with me and we had a little uh, trailer that we pulled as my dad and I went up on this, this little, little hunt and I gave her anything and everything she wanted she slept she got to go camping in the trailer she got whatever food she wanted she got to steer the truck she got to do whatever she wanted to do and have a good time yeah it was the best trip so he comes home and she's telling her mom about it all this great stuff and everything and my oldest daughter sitting there listening to it and then she turns to me she goes hey hey dad can do you think sometime you and i can go do that
0: like, <laughs> oh go. yeah we oh, sure can. oh there you go well yeah. played
1: yeah and then the youngest just naturally she just kind of fell into little, little. it yeah so yeah so i just started them off at a young age and uh, you know i i learned a lot having to having to have um uh the kids out there and learned a lot taking my wife that is you know it's a little bit different than the way i hunt and so i had to really alter my way of hunting quite a bit and so i I like to, my aspect is I like to go all day, you know, just be out there walking all day long. And if I did that with them, they would hate it. (laughs) Right?
0: They'd be like, this is not fun, dad.
1: Yep. So I had to alter it. We had to go, you know, we had to take, go bird hunting. We had to take the 22s so they could go shoot at prey dogs. So, you know, just stop and have the food we had to have, you know, I'd eat just on the go. No, we had to sit there and cook a a fun little meal for them. (laughs)
0: There you go.
1: And everything, so and get them to enjoy it. Now, I think if I took my took a, my oldest out now, I think she could go. She, she's at the point, yeah, she, stuff like that. The younger two will get there, but um, I really had to alter my way of how I worked with my daughters, how I was hunting out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it was fine. It, well, yeah, I mean, you're you're saying it. You got to make it fun for them. You got to make it enjoyable, where you're not, you know, dragging them through the field, where they're like okay, this is not my version of fun. You're, you're altering your plans. You're, you're adapting uh, to make it enjoyable for them.
1: Yep. And uh, kind of a, a tradition of ours is the first time you go out hunting on your own uh, when it's your turn to hunt, which is deer. So the first time you go out there hunting deer on your own, um, you get to drive the truck for, or you get to drive the truck for the first time. <laughs> nice. So they want to go cause nothing, if nothing else happens, they get to drive the truck when, you know, on those back roads.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that might be the highlight and that is totally okay. Yep.
1: Yep. But they're just spending time out there with you. You know, they're having fun. They, uh, I remember my young, my middle daughter's first year I fell asleep in the truck and I was asleep for a little while. And I, I come back to my phone as all the contacts are renamed and I have pictures of some (laughs) random person off the internet for for this contact and that contact and just they're laughing and having a good time with it. And there's just good, good time that you can't find elsewhere.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. My, uh, four, almost five-year-old right now. He's, he's probably the most into it out of every, out of everyone, the dogs and training and all that. Um, and a couple of days ago, I noticed he he found this like random, one of his sisters, probably like little, Barbie bags or something. Well, he's stuffing like stuffed animal birds into it and like his bird, bird
1: bag. bag. That's great. Yeah,
0: I'm like so proud. Like, yeah, I've, I've reached, uh, my, my life goal. Yep.
1: <laughs> Ice cream and sprinkles for that kid. Yep. hundred
0: yeah. well, percent.
1: Yeah. No, you know, something else I, I figured out too is, um, I found it was important is to get them their own stuff, mm. you know, their own, their own clothes. They're like, I, I, their own boots and I didn't get them real expensive boots and stuff like that. So they had their own things. And then um, I'd get them their own gun when they started hunting. And I know I talked to a lot of guys It's like, well, I, I want to wait and make sure they're really into it before I go buy this stuff invest it. And it's like, well, if I didn't invest it, I don't know if they would have been into it. Yeah. You you
0: might, you might miss that window of where they're really eager, really excited to, to take it up. So that's a, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, there, you know, there's enough stuff that you don't have to buy the the tip top best. You no, Right, right. Yeah. You got,
0: you got options out there these days. I feel there's mm-hmm. so many good options of, of gear yeah. and clothing and, you know, all sorts of stuff. We got my, my son, I think Christmas last year, we got him a little, um, what is it? like a PSE mini burner, uh, compound bow. Oh yeah. he has got a little target in the backyard, man. He has a black and both the boys use it. Even my daughter shoots it a little bit and, uh, they have a blast with it. It was, you know, hundred so bucks, but all three of them are using it and taking turns and it's, yeah, it's, it's been a blast for them.
1: You don't even think about the money after after you start watching him do that stuff.
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. And my seven year old, he's he's the one he, he uses it the most. And he, he starts at five yards and he goes back to ten yards and he's slowly going further and further. Good for um, him. Yeah, and our. Are you so where the I I probably need to move the Target, but the Target is right next to the chicken coop. (laughs) One of these days there's gonna be a flyer and uh (laughs) those chickens might not make it, but you guys will be having chicken for dinner that night. Exactly. Yeah, sunny or pizza. All the all the chickens are named after food. Oh nice. (laughs) (laughs) Go pizza, sunny, pancake, flapjack, and I forget the other one's name, but (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we named our chickens too. I don't even know where we got our names. Chuck Norris was one of them and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, but yeah,
0: you're going to end up with a dead chicken one of these oh, days. Oh, 100%, 100%. Yeah. Um. What do you, uh, so Brandon, I know you work, talk about your work a little bit. Um. I know you work a little bit with some, some cool companies, like Mud River, Boyt. Uh, talk a little bit about that and uh, maybe share what you can on maybe some possible new uh, products coming out sometime soon
1: okay yeah so I did, i'm a contractor and i i work with uh um like you said boyt mud river and then uh so Boyd owns a few different companies but the main three that i work with are boyt mud river and goki boots and um so Boyd has been a it's kind of a, a company that's special to me they've been around since 1901 um the his, kind of the history of them is the boy brothers started making harnesses for horses to be used out in the field, real, real uh, high class, you know, high end harnesses. And then the war came around, and they started making gun supplies for the government. And then they carried it over to the private sector and stuff like that. So, uh, and they just kept going. They've always made a real top notch, uh, good quality products. They're really well known for their gun cases, and have some good ones there. But growing up, I always my dad he had a few few guns that were special guns that had boit cases that went just with those guns that he really wanted to protect really want to be taken care of somehow my brother ended up with those but that's fine so anyways i grew up just in kind of you know like there was a few things in in uh my dad's in our life that were really special and BoIt boy gun cases were one of them mm. and so um so they're they're a their products you know are are great high-end then they bought out mud river and um mud rivers you know the kennel jackets and everything are really great kennel jackets we got a bunch of other products there that we we have with mud river and then goki boots is a company that's been around i don't know how long but they they speak for
0: themselves they're one of the and did sorry did boy are they are goki and boy did boy buy a goki
1: yeah okay okay Yep. So they, they purchased all all both those companies and has done pretty well with them. Um, so we are basically reigniting the Upland line, and uh, I can't talk a lot about what we're doing. We're coming. We're going to be coming out with new products. I am overly excited about the new products. I've sat. I'm kind of the guy that sits there and I, I just dream. I think about my family and I think about hunting and that's about all I think about. (laughs) And so, um, I, uh, I sit there and just look at, you know, like I see all this stuff happen in the, in the big game world and stuff like that. And be like, man, people could do this stuff with the Upland world and and do that. And I'd sit there and I had, I have like all kinds of notes that I just take just, just kind of, I guess nerdy me, but I got a chance to put those notes together and some of the products we're we're building and putting together. And so for both um, boy and mud river, we'll be coming out with some new, new products um, here, hopefully in the near future. I don't know if we won't get them out by hunting season. I'm hoping we'll get them out by, to by shot show,
0: which we should be able to. Okay. Right on. When, when shot show is that later? I think it's in January. Okay. Okay. So wrapping things up. Yeah.
1: Hopefully. I mean, if we can get them out before then that'll be great, but you know, there's a, Times, times are different right now with
0: the, I was just going to ask, have you guys, I mean, your work that you're doing, have you seen a big effect from again, just the pandemic and all that kind of stuff with supply and all that? Yeah. So
1: I don't, so being the contractor, I don't get to see a lot of that side of it, but I know that it has affected It has affected the company somewhat. And so um, the manufacturing side of it and things there, but we still got, I mean, we still got plenty of products. You know, I think what's on our website, we have air, and everything is in stock if it's on our website. So we still have plenty that's that's available out there.
0: It's awesome. Yeah, I was just I was just looking for a new uh, gun case a couple of days ago and I was looking at those Boyds and those are those are pretty sweet. Yeah. What's, um, so the traditional Boyd gun cases I've seen they have like that basically full zip around. Mm-hmm. I have one actually behind me, a tan one. Um, it's got the outer pockets, really nice. But someone, a buddy of mine, just showed me a picture of one that has it opens. There's like a flap on the end that folds out. Is yeah. that a different style? Is yeah, that...
1: there's a different style. It's got, did it have kind of like a little buckle at the end that it yeah. buckles down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I that's one of that our one. other styles. Yeah. That's one of our other styles okay. that we have. And oh. it's just a, it's an, uh, a real nice one. Um, all, all of them are nice, good, high quality. I think it, that one just eliminates a zipper to it. Sure. But our zippers are great though. I mean, the ones- my, They
0: are. They're heavy duty for sure. Yeah.
1: The ones my dad had are since the 1950s are still, still going. Yeah. So they're just no. good quality zippers. And that's one thing I, you know, I invested in them is, you know, I wanted to vest in a gun case that's going to last me forever.
0: Yeah. Uh, you can pass it down to your, your daughters, you know, <laughs> as, yep. as you get older, they get, you know, into hunting and pass down some guns and gun cases. And yep. that's what it's all yes. about. It's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I rock the kennel covers as well. The Mud River kennel covers and those things have held up great they're incredible few seasons i got the insulated ones and um because my dogs they throughout the year they i mean their kennels are in the garage i sleep in their kennels so winter rolls around in colorado and it can get i mean we get pretty cold temps and uh throw those kennel covers on in the winter and they're fantastic
1: yeah i do the same thing mine sleep in my the the kennels all year long or not all year long but all winter long and uh you never have to worry about them. They're in the garage. They're in those kennel jackets. A lot of times I don't even zip them up all the way because it gets too hot.
0: for Same, same. There's, there's been times I uh, hunted in Nebraska last year in the winter. And uh, I think I left them in the the dogs in the kennel overnight. The hotel was just crowded and whatnot. It was just easier. So I left them in the car and I remember it was like middle of the night. I was like, I'm just going to go check on the dogs and I zipped both our kennel covers up all the way and I opened them up and it's like almost too warm in there. And yeah. this is a 13 degree, uh, Nebraska night. And I was yep. like, dang, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to unzip these a little bit.
1: Yeah. No, there's like a heat wave that just comes out right at first. Yeah. The dogs, you know, and what's interesting is you don't worry, you don't think about it, but it dehydrates the dogs during the winter. Totally. And so, yeah, you gotta, those, those things are so well-made and they last forever and there's a great kennel, kennel jacket. Um, but I keep my, do you keep yours on in the summer too?
0: I don't. I take them off in the summer.
1: Yeah. See, I keep yeah. like, even, even now when I'm out working dogs, I keep mine on okay, because it, it, uh, insulates the, you know, I take the, I take the flaps off. So there's wind coming through Oh, sure. and then I roll up the front. So the sides are open and the wind's coming through, but that gives extra insulation from the sun oh. as well. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So they have, you know, I, I find that there are a lot, It, it would a lot probably stay, it's
0: probably gonna stay a little cooler then. Cause mm-hmm. it's not take absorbing that. Yes.
1: Yeah. I didn't think about that. So I leave mine on year round. I just, it's just, if the sides are on or the sides are off and the flaps are up or down.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting, man. That was awesome. That's awesome. Um, all right. Last, last question before I always end on a rapid fire sections, so we'll go over that in just a second. Um, but it's talk to someone out there who is maybe just heading into their first upland season. Uh, maybe they just picked up their first bird dog. Maybe they're just getting into this, this crazy thing that, that you and I are so addicted to uh, what would you say to them? What, what was maybe would be some advice you would give to, uh, to someone just getting started? Just don't worry about everybody else. Like don't
1: compare yourself. Don't see where they're at. Don't, th- don't, don't worry about it. Just go out there and have fun. And you might go out there and you may not see a, a bird for how many ever times you go out there, but wait until you do find a bird, wait till it all comes together. And then you'll see how it feels. Hmm. You get that, you get a, y- even though it's, it may, it may not be that your dog did the best, but you found where the birds are at and you get that little bit of pride. Like, Hey, I actually did it on my own. Right. And then you get your dog out there and your dog does go on point and you you can walk in and flush the birds and it's like, Hey, I found those birds. My dog pointed at them. There's nothing greater than this. Mm. Don't, don't look at the guy that's been doing it for years upon years and has access to, you know, private land or knows all the, all the places to go. Don't compare yourself to them. Go out there and have fun on your own. Be yourself.
0: Mm. That's really well said. (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry about everyone. Don't compare. Yeah. Compare too. like, I mean, Instagrams can be great. can be a great Mm -hmm. tool, but, um, I think we all can maybe struggle a little bit with, Oh, that, you know, that guy, you know, or this person, I think just focus on you and your dog, enjoy your own experience and set your own goals and expectations for yourself and your dog don't yep don't do someone else don't try to live someone else's expectations or goals make your own make your own goals you know if you find one bird this year make that a goal great and that's stick to it
1: enjoy where you're at yeah oh
0: well said man all right uh so a couple rapid fire questions uh just kind of off the cuff give me your uh your Answer If I always tell everyone, if you have to expand on anything, that's totally okay, it's not against the all rules. Right. So, um, all right, Brandon, what uh, what gun are you carrying out into the uplands this season? So, I'll
1: have two guns that I'll carry, and one, both of them Brownings, one of them's a uh, Satori White Lightning, and the other's an old Super Pose. And I think we did a show with Onyx about my dad's gun, and um, the Super Pose was my dad's gun, and then I got one that was. The modern day equivalent to it was the the Satori. Okay. Ma- mainly, I take the Satori out. It's been beat beat up and and used quite a quite a bit more. The blueing's coming off it and stuff like that, it's starting to wear off. But I do take that that Superposed out sometime. Now we talked about this a little bit earlier too about passing things on down to our kids. Well, I got three daughters and I got two shotguns that I love. So I told my wife I need to buy <laughs> another one. <laughs>
0: i mean it seems reasonable to me so yeah
1: so not one kid
0: feels left out no absolutely yeah gosh other kid you'd have to like give that kid all your dogs all your other stuff to make up for that
1: so i'll just go get a new another shotgun and uh there we go we're taken care of
0: Taken care of absolutely And i mean you'll have to shoot it You will have to you know you know get some experience with that new gun so
1: yeah i know i already got it picked out i'm gonna go. go get that uh go to upland gun company and get a 20 gauge side by side Okay. All I sh- all I shoot
0: is 20 gauges. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. I love. I mean, I I have 12 gauges, but I I love my 20s.
1: I don't think I've ever I've never shot a bird with a 12 gauge. Really? <laughs> 20, 20 gauge and 410 are the only two that I've ever shot with.
0: Okay. Wow. Well, I believe it. I I can't hit crap with my 12 gauge semi-auto. It's a Benelli Montefeltro. And I've talked about this before in the podcast. I just I don't think I'm confident with it, and I'm I just I can't hit anything with it. I just yeah. I'm terrible <laughs> so I'm, so
1: i've seen some guys with 12 gauges that you don't even want to mess with they can hit everything oh sure
0: and stuff like that but it's all just what you're comfortable with and yeah. what you're what you got confidence in what's um so i'm not gonna pretend like i know what the super pose is what's the big difference between that and a uh satori so the difference is basically of when they were made They're okay. if
1: you held if you held one in one hand and one in the other you think you'll have the same gun so they're it's their their lightning their light one twenty gauge. It's got they both got um uh, pistol grips with round knobs on them, and so I think my dad's was made in the fifties. I think his was fifty five, if I remember right, but I don't know for sure. And so at some at some point, like I can think in the sixties, and I don't 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 quote me for facts sure. here, but. Um, in the '60s, they stopped making the Superpose, and then a little bit later, they they brought in a new line of the the Satoris, and they okay. make all kinds of different Satoris. But this one's the the Lightning, their light one, and stuff like that. They've made some others that are a little bit lighter over the years. They, Okay. But so my, it's it's the modern day mirror image of what my dad had and what I
0: watched him grow up with. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. My buddy, uh, I think Matt Harrell, he has a 12 gauge Satori. I'm not sure if it's a lightning or not, but he, I mean, he loves that guns. 12 gauge. He shoots it with lights out. And so, yeah, you know, they very, make, they make good stuff.
1: Yeah. They're a good gun. There's a lot of good guns out there though.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I, uh, I just ordered uh, a few weeks ago, a crap. What is it now? Not a silver pigeon. <laughs> oh, think... the, the Beretta. Nope. Not the Beretta either. Crap. Oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. I have a Franke instinct right now. 20 gauge. It is. I'll look, I'll look it up here. It's going to drive me nuts. I, it's been order. on like order for like two and a half weeks now. So oh, nice. when I, when I order from sportsman, it said, oh yeah, it will be here by things like August 5th. And it's been like yeah, way longer. August 5th. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they lied. We'll, we'll see. We'll see when I actually, uh, actually pick it up. So, all right. A couple more, uh, favorite dog breed besides the Brittany.
1: You know, if I didn't have Britneys in my kennel, I'd probably go with the English pointers and English setters. Okay. So I just, my Britneys work a lot like they do, uh, run, cover quite a bit of ground and uh a little bit harder to run and stuff like that. But there's those I've actually toyed with the idea of getting a pointer in my kennel. Yeah. They're, they're,
0: they're cool looking dogs. They, they yeah. cover some ground too. Yeah. And there's some, there's some real nice ones out there. Can, can we doctor uh, tails though? <laughs> I've tried it, but my friends won't ever
1: let me doctor. T- I tell them their IQ will come up in the dog. <laughs> take a little bit of the tail
0: off. Just but. take some of that tail off. The thing's like what? Two and a half feet long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want my, my beer spilled all over my <laughs> coffee table every night.
1: Oh man. You get whacked with those things. Sometimes it hurts.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez, oh. used to have golden uh, retrievers growing up and man, those things were wicked.
1: Yeah. I know those little tails, you don't have to
0: worry about that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm going to get so much hate for that. Yeah. Um, all right. Favorite bird species to hunt and why? Uh,
1: might surprise you, but it, not sage grouse. It's huns. Okay. And so I love huns. Uh, they're a challenging bird. They're, they still you know sage grouse and sharp tails and everything else still get my still get my heart going and still make me happy and i still enjoy watching them something about huns that make your heart skip a few beats and they get up and they go and then they're fast and they're out of there and so i uh you know the way i've i've had to work on hunting them and the way i've had to hunt them figure out it it challenges you. You, a lot of times you don't get shots off on the, the first time you see it, the first time you get them up, what you have to do is you have to just watch them, mark them down where they go. And after two or three jumps, a lot of times they start getting tired and you can start getting some shots on them then. Okay. So, but when I, when I say that you can, you can shoot out a Covey real quick by when you start doing that. So make sure you're, you're ethical when you do that and take just the one or two out of a Covey and then move on.
0: Gotcha. So,
1: but I love them. And I, that's what I, when I'm looking for bird land, that's what I mostly look for.
0: Right on, right on. They sound like a fun bird to hunt. Um, definitely, definitely on my list to, uh, try to try to get one this year. So well, hopefully you can do that. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, all right. couple more here. Uh, bum, bum, bum. That question does not apply to you. Uh, beverage of choice after a hunt. You know, after having my surgery, I I can't uh
1: I can't have anything but like water, pretty much. Okay. So I go with water. So there you I'm go. Always,
0: yeah. You're, you're the second guest to say water. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I love water. It Used
1: to be Mountain Dew, but I loved Mountain Dew. Ooh.
0: Ooh.
1: So, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah, I wore. In fact, I loved it so much to my junior prom, I wore a Mountain Dew shirt. <laughs> to the prom.
0: That's so, commitment. That's commitment right there. Yeah, I
1: was all there, but uh.
0: Um, there's not much better. If you can find a taco bell and get a big old mountain dew, that's, that's a match made in heaven right there.
1: Yeah. It's, it's neck and neck with bird hunting, right? There.
0: <laughs> that's, so. that's like the, uh, for me, that's like my bird hunters, like gourmet dinner right there. Exactly, <laughs> especially, yeah. especially if you weren't successful or didn't have a great day, man, a taco yep. bell makes everything better
1: yeah wait till so wait till you get up here you know getting these western these western states idaho montana wyoming and stuff like that you uh um you go out to these small small towns cafes after a day of bird Mm -hmm. hunting you sit down one of those and get a burger and some fries or tater tots yeah that is the ultimate (laughs) meal right there
0: there you go tater tots man oh that's that's good stuff right there oh yeah my kids will go through like a bag of those Oh I love it <laughs> that's awesome brother well cool uh brandon how uh if people have questions or want to follow you keep up with you what's your uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you or or instagram so Instagram I'm upland four o six and they can
1: i i uh I've got a few messages today of people just sending me pictures of their dogs or whatever I enjoy seeing that stuff I enjoy seeing you know people that enjoy the upland hunting and tell me about it and stuff like that. Um, Facebook, I'm just Brandon Moss. And I think there's a picture of a dog or something on there. The other thing is, um, I got my emails, Brandon at boytharness.com. And, uh, you know, part of, part of my work there is I do the guide and outfitter program. So if any of the guide and outfitters want to, you know, get in touch with me, go ahead and send me that, that email. And I can work on, on getting you set up there with, uh, with our guiding outfitter program but yeah those are the best ways send me messages send whatever you want and and i'd be happy to
0: to uh get back to you right on man right on well we're excited to see uh again maybe have you on in a future episode maybe after shot show or something talk a little yeah. bit more about some when, of the products
1: when these products come out i am more than excited to talk to people about them and tell them about them and so we got we got some neat things coming out we got some really good products and i'm Think a lot of people are going to be pretty happy with them.
0: That's awesome, man! I'm super excited. I I also remember the gun I ordered. I don't know how bad is that. It only took me five minutes. A CZ Field Supreme, 20 okay. gauge. Okay, all right, yeah, all right. yeah. So that's well, okay. bad. I couldn't remember the own uh, my own gun I ordered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it so it's, that one's pretty light, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Ju- I think it's just at seven pounds, maybe like six point nine something yeah. like
1: that. I'm getting that point where I. That's kind of why I want to go that side by side where I just want to go
0: lighter and lighter. Yeah. So Yeah. I've, yeah. My Frankie instinct is, I forget how much that weighs. That's, it's definitely under seven, might be like six and a half. I have the LX. uh Um, it's been, it's, it's so much. I mean, you can't even compare it to a 12 gauge, but, um, I just, I shoot it well and it is, it is what it is. So it's a good gun.
1: I want to see if I can get in that five pound range somewhere in there. Dang. So what what are your, what
0: are your Satori at? And what's your, uh,
1: I think, I gosh, I think they're like six, six, seven. Okay. Right around there. But again, don't don't take that as a fact.
0: Yeah. We're, oh, you know we're gonna have some fact checkers out there.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. That's a, yeah, that's okay. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm married with three daughters. I get told I'm wrong all the time.
0: <laughs> it happens. It happens. You gotta get used yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, well, cool, Brandon. Thanks so much uh, for your time tonight, man. I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit more. So this has been uh, this has been a blast.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a good time, and I'm looking forward to coming back and talking to you more
0: absolutely man absolutely well uh good luck getting those uh those dogs ready for September and uh I'm sure we'll be we'll be talking more
1: you too man take care
0: absolutely take care thanks well, that is a wrap of episode 20 of the Upland Rookie Podcast. Brandon, thank you again, brother. Uh, that was a blast chatting with you. Um, I think a really appropriate timing of this podcast. Uh, September is just around the corner. Uh, season is about to open for many of us. And so uh, really in, uh, appreciate your time uh, sitting down with us, talking bird dogs, talking Montana, all that good stuff. Um, hey, guys, don't forget, if leave, uh, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the podcast podcast out there to more hunters and bird dog lovers just like you. So rate and review Apple podcast. Uh, other than that, guys have so much fun. Uh, I might not talk to you. Well, I'll talk to you next next Tuesday. Uh, but some of you might have some trips in between then. So enjoy, be safe uh enjoy those bird dogs uh keep them healthy keep them safe keep them fueled up well um can't wait to hear and see some of these stories that are coming out of early season upland hunting hey don't forget if you are not hunting with a britney it's okay Uh, don't worry for real It's, it's just fine because any bird dog is better than no bird dog go put some miles on those boots enjoy